right. Well, welcome to the very first week in a new series that we're starting today. Um, brand new series called Unreligious. Unreligious, undoing religion in your life. Now, if you're here and this is like your first Sunday or you're just tuning in for the first time, you may be wondering like, okay, what's what is he talking about? Who is this guy? Unreligions. I thought we were in church, right? Like, I, this is weird. Undoing religion in your life. What's up with that? Well, you may be a little bit of su surprised to hear me say that. Uh, you may be surprised to hear a pastor, you know, an ordained minister of the gospel talk about something like the word heresy may come to mind. But here's what I want you, I want you to know. I'm kind of giving you a heads up. Over the next I don't know, four or five, six weeks, we're going to be doing, we're going to be looking at a book from the Bible, the, the book of Galatians, okay? And if you come over the next two, three, four or five weeks, what you're going to learn from God's Word is that religion, everybody say the word religion for me, say religion. Religion is never enough. Did you know that? And I'll, I'll prove that to you from Scripture when you read the, the, the letter of Galatians, God's word, chapter after chapter after chapter, the one thing that you're going to figure out is that religion in it and of itself is never enough. In fact, I think with all my heart, it's a major problem in our world today. I think there's a lot of people that are turned off to God, a good God, a heavenly father that loves you because of religion i think people there are people that will not even consider the claims of jesus because of religion i believe with all my heart you cannot trust in religion to get into heaven more often than not i've been doing this for 20 years more often than not what i learn and what i see is that it produces a little bit of pride it produces this sense of, like, all of a sudden, people who will trust in themselves more than in their relationship with the Lord. All of a sudden, it, you, you see people that are, they're trying too hard. They're relying on their own human efforts to please God. They, they want to earn their salvation. And what, what I see, what I observe is what I call religious pride. Have you ever met somebody like that? Have you ever met like a holier-than-thou person? No matter whatever you say, they, they always out-Jesus you. You know, like you're trying to do something good, and then, you know, oh, no, no, but uh, you know, I'm going to do it this way. And it's like you can never do anything good, you know, because they're going to they're gonna beat you to it. They're gonna, their prayers are a little bit, you know, they change their voice, and they like, oh, you know, you pray a normal prayer, you know, and they... They turn and they're like, oh, Heavenly Father, you know, and they, and they kind of change their, it's religion, religion. Um, people who trust in themselves, their own human efforts to please God. And so Isaiah 29, 13 is the verse that we're going to anchor ourselves to throughout the series. And in this, this verse, I love how the, the Good News Bible translates it. God looks at a group of people and he says to them, these people, they claim to worship me claim to worship me but their words are meaningless it's like they they claim to worship me they they say that i'm their god but their actions you know they're it's just 
their words are their hearts are somewhere else and then i love this part of the verse let's put it on the screen god says their religion watch this their religion this is not alex saying this, this is god's word their religion is nothing but human rules and traditions you know so these people are they're really good at checking off the boxes went to church check gave my tithe check did this check set my prayer check their religion is nothing but human rules and traditions which they have simply memorized in other words their religion is it's man-made it's plastic it's it's transactional there's no heart behind it there is just it's just human rules and regulations so that's what the whole series is going to be in a nutshell galatians we're going to look at the whole book today we're just going to look at just at a couple of verses from galatians chapter one verse one so if you have your bibles go there galatians chapter one verse one now let me say this when it comes to christianity okay god started a movement say that word with me say the word movement god started a movement say it one more time movement god did not start a religion you hear me god did not start a denomination god started a movement and actually this movement was away from the religious system of the day which was corrupt it was a bad system it needed to be condemned away from um, jerusalem away from the epicenter of religious activity it was away from the temple we talked about this exactly one year ago so if you want to kind of like get into it a little bit more go back and listen to our podcast exactly a year ago we went over a series called marked marked and we talked about how this movement christianity how it got started and so god begins this movement with this guy we call him john the baptist right and he was a unique individual but the movement christianity it's outside of the religious system of the day it's outside of the deadening externalism outside of the spiritual pride of the day now watch this watch this the movement goes from john the baptist before jesus to jesus and then paul and this person that wrote galatians that's paul okay sometimes he was he's called saul saul is before he gave his life to christ paul is after okay so those two names same person i'm going to be using them interchangeably so if i say saul or paul you know just just know it's the same person now let me ask you this apart from jesus who do you think is the most influential person or who has been let me ask you like that who has been the most influential spiritual leader in the last i don't know let's say few couple thousand years most like when you think of like apart from jesus right like like you know how times magazine they have their 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 100 most influential people like i was reading about it this last week they came out with the list you know they have athletes and they have they have um innovators you know elon musk was in there uh simone biles biles was there like they have a bunch of different people top influencers of 2021 okay if you were to name the top spiritual influencers like worldwide eternal influencers in the last couple thousand years who would you apart from christ who would you say this person has got to be it well personally when i see the conversion 
of Saul of Tarsus, also known as Paul. It's got to be. The guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, like he's influenced like our world in a crazy way. And, and, and if you look at it, God took a man with an exclusively Jewish heritage and shook the Western world, all of Europe, the British Isles, in a space of a generation. Imagine that. Now, here's the funny thing. It should have never happened because of who Saul slash Paul was. It should have, it should have never, nobody thought that anybody, like nobody thought that Paul was, I mean, of all people, embraced Christ. Are you kidding me? So here's my goal today, okay? So I know in a room like this, you probably have, you know, some people that are not Jesus followers, and that, that's, that's okay with us. It's not, you know, um, and some of you, you know, maybe watching online, you're listening to this guy on stage, and who's this preacher, you know, like, what does he want from me? Does he want my, so let me put all cards on the table, okay? Let me, let me share with you what the intent of my talk today is, okay? For the next few minutes, here's my goal. Here's my desire. Put all the cards on the table. I want to show you that God wants to use you. Not only does he want to, but he's willing to use you and able to use you to make a difference in your world. Okay? So, like, by the end of the, our conversation today, I want you to leave today knowing, like, there is this God. And, there, I mean, a lot of people believe in a lot of different gods, right? And so you can go... You can go with this, like, man, and all. But the God that I believe in, the God that I'm putting all of my faith in, He wants to use you regardless of your past, regardless of what you've done, regardless of the way you've thought. And I want to spend the next 25 minutes proving that to you. Okay? Everybody, give me a thumbs up. Are we good? Are we tracking? All right, so look in verse 1, Galatians. All right, this is what Paul says. This letter is from Paul. And he says, an apostle. What's an apostle? I always think of a penny. Just try to remember what an apostle is. It's penny is one cent, right? So an apostle is somebody who has been sent. That's what Paul is saying. I have been sent. I have a, I'm on a mission. This letter that we're going to be studying the next few weeks is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed, he says, by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself, and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. So he's given the gospel. This is the gospel in a nutshell. And then he says, verse 2, All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatians. So, so it's a team effort, okay? They're sending this letter to this area called Galatia, and they're, they're sending it to a bunch of different churches. Verse 3, May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace something we all need I need a little bit of grace in my life I need peace there's a lot of stress in our world man give me more peace I can take all the grace and all the peace in the world verse 4 Jesus second time he gives the gospel gave his life for our sin sins just as God the Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live can't be any more clear than that you want to know what the gospel is about verse 4 all right? And then he kind of puts this line, verse 5, All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Which I love because a lot of times life becomes about us. And I want you to know, like God wants to use you regardless of your past, regardless of your way of thinking, regardless of the things that you've done, but it's not for yourself. 
God wants to use you, it's for his own glory. It's for his name and his renown. And a lot of times in our world, like everything is about us, right? And one of our core values at, at the church is we're not spiritual consumers, like feed me, give me more, I want more. It's about me. No, 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 God wants to use you, but it's not about you. It's not so that you can feel good. It's like, oh, great job, man, God's using me. Woohoo! No, 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 it has nothing to do with you. It's all about him and his glory. Does that make sense? Are we tracking? All right, and I love that he puts it out there as soon as he begins the letter. Let's pray. Father God, I ask for the next few minutes, God, I pray that you would penetrate our hearts, Lord. I believe that you want to do a work among us, God, and I pray that you would do it with, with like, the only way you can do it, God, in a unique, authentic way. God, I pray that you would untie my tongue. God, give me the thoughts that I want to share with your people. Father, I pray that that we would understand. God, I pray that you would remove distractions from the room. And I, I just ask, God, that you would, that this would be, I don't want to be the one to play Holy Spirit, Father. I want you to, to, to uh, infiltrate our minds and hearts. And I just ask you to do what I can't do, Lord. Would you please allow us to just gain a little bit of wisdom from your word? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So back in, in May eight, uh, 1989, there was a horse that was born in a Pennsylvania farm. And this little horse was uh, basically, there it is, um, was known for breeding, for racing horses. Eventually they would compete. And this horse, this particular horse's name was Lility. And Lility was born with an immune deficiency disorder. What does that mean? Well, the horse had to have multiple surgeries. In fact, by the, the time that Lility was two years old, he had been moved around from like one state to the next. It was like five different states, okay, in the first two years of its life. Uh, it had been sold like seven times for as, as little as like $3,000 in an industry where winners, you know, you could pay a million dollars for a horse, you know, if it's a winner. So sold all, all over the place, moved all over the place. You fast forward to the spring of 1999. Lilithy was competing, and it was at a place where there were 130,000 spectators. Not a single eye was on Lilithy. All eyes were on a different horse. And we know the story now. Lilithy went on to win, like you know, nobody was paying attention to it, until the final home stretch when he pulled ahead of the pack, won the derby, and it was one of the biggest surprises of the racing world. Like, if you're into this sort of thing, look into the story, because it's a very inspirational story. But here's the reason why I begin with this. Paul was kind of like Lilith's story. Nobody thought that he was going to do anything. Nobody thought that he was going to embrace Christ for sure. Like, 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 this was like the furthest thing that anybody thought. Paul, embracing Christ, are you kidding me? Like, he was against Christ, Okay. And so nobody, just like Ility, like nobody imagined that God eventually was going to use Paul uh, as far as much as what he did, especially the first century, man. Like, he used him in a great, great, great way. Okay, so here's why nobody thought he was going to make a difference. I'm going to give you three points. Number one, because of where he came from, okay? Now, in Acts, you don't have to turn there, but in Acts 21, verse 39... I'll put it on the screen. Paul said this, okay? He says, I am a Jew from Tarsus. I'm a Jew from where? Say it, church. Tarsus. From Tarsus, okay? 
He says, I'm a Jew from Tarsus, a citizen of no ordinary city. Now, let me give you a little bit of history, all right? Just hang in there. I know history is not for everybody. Let me just give you just a little bit of history about Tarsus. Tarsus, it's a great city. Uh, it was uh, located on fertile ground near a major river. It was a few miles from the Mediterranean Sea, and, uh, which made it a military strategic point. It was a great location. Economically, it was profitable, so uh, it was a wealthy city. It surpassed cities like Alexandria and Athens. It was one of the cultural centers of the ancient world. Um, do you remember old Cleopatra? Does that name sound familiar? The, the last of the pharaohs to rule over Egypt? Old Cleopatra would love to go to Tarsus. In fact, there was this place, I have a, a picture coming up, there was this place called Cleopatra's Gate. It's a modern-day picture. She would go to Tarsus so much, they built this place for her. Politicians loved Tarsus. Um, the Roman emperors loved this place so much that they would exempt it from taxes. Imagine living somewhere where you don't have to pay taxes. Wouldn't that be nice? It was... Um, it had a river flow through it. The Romans built their, their roads. I think there's a couple of other pictures. I mean, it was um, Romans. You know, they were known, they were famous for building the most technologically advanced roads of the day. They had Roman roads that led to Tarsus. It was a huge, huge deal. Now, if you were from Crete, oh, no. You better not be from Crete. If you were, there was a poem that said, like, if you were from Crete, like, you were, you were, it was a, a big, it was a big deal. The poem reads this. All people of Crete are liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. All right? So you did not want to be from Crete, okay? Tarsus, totally different. It meant that you were wealthy. It meant that you went to great schools. They had, it had political and socioeconomic favor. It had it all. In fact, there was one time when Paul, so Paul is after he gets saved, Saul is before he gets saved. So one time... In Acts chapter 16, when they throw him in jail for a crime he did not commit, they're going to punish him. They're going to punish Paul. And Paul says, is it lawful? He says to the Roman guard, is it lawful for you to punish a Roman citizen? Which Tarsus was under Roman dominion, okay? And so Paul asks the question, is it, look, I'm from Tarsus. You know, it's controlled by the Romans. Is it lawful for you to punish a Roman And the prison guard was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You are a born, like you're a born citizen from Rome? And the, and the guard says, the prison guard says, I purchased my citizenship with a great sum of money. I mean, of course you're not to be punished because if you were from, if you were, had a citizenship from Rome, you had several benefits. One of the benefits was that. And so Paul says, look, look, I'm, you know, it's a, it's a, I'm from, I'm from Tarsus, you know, it's not, it's a huge deal. Now, I was, I went, as I was putting the message together, I thought, man, this is too much, you know, I'm gonna bore them to death, I'm gonna lose them. So I was trying to figure out, how can I, how can I illustrate this so they understand the significance of it? And I came up with a little bit of an illustration. Maybe it'll work, maybe it doesn't, it won't. But let me just try this, okay? Imagine, imagine that you have to have heart surgery. And like major heart surgery. Like imagine you have to have like heart transplant. And you have two doctors that you can go to. Doctor one, the guy is well-renowned from Harvard. And he's got all kinds of 
you know, he's, he graduated with honors. He's, he's got a track record. People know who he is. He's done this before. Like, you know, thumbs up. Dr. Du, guy graduated from a community school, a little community school somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Like, not really don't know, you know, doesn't really have a track record. Who would you, if you have to have a heart transplant, who would you go with? Dr. One? Doctor two. Well, if it's me, and I, I mean nothing against small community school. Maybe you graduated from a small community school, but I, if I'm gonna have heart transplant, like I want the guy that comes with the honors. Like I want the guy with the track record. Like he's coming from Harvard. Like yeah, I want like the best. I want the guy that's graduating from the best school. Paul was a little bit like that. The fact that he was from Tarsus meant that he had recognition, great education. He had a good family. He had influence in the community. He had prestige. He had wealth. As far as religious, like from a religious point of view, watch what he says in, in Philippians. Watch this. He says, Philippians 3, 4, he says, I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has a reason, reasons to put confidence in the flesh, watch what he says. Next, uh, there it is. Good job, guys. Give it up for our media team. If anyone thinks, it's hard to keep up with me, man. Like, like we're going fast today. Uh, we got baptisms here in a little bit. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, he says, I have what? I have more. I got this. You know, all the checks, man, all my, my life is full of boxes. I've checked all the, the marks. I'm good. I'm in. He says, he gives us a, a list of things that I guess were important in that day and age. Verse 5, he says, I mean, as far as religious perspective, I got all the confidence. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. There were two types of Jews in that day and age. You were a Greek-speaking Jew, and that meant you were born a Jew, but you were born in a faraway, or you moved to a faraway land, or you were a Jew who spake, uh, who spoke Aramaic. If you spoke Aramaic, then that meant you were a, a Hebrew, which is another form of Hebrew, by the way. So he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Doesn't get any better than that. And then next verse, he says, he says, in regards to the law, like the Old Testament, right? In regards to the law, I am a Pharisee. Now, if you've been if you've been to church, like if you have any experience with church, like you would say, oh, Pharisee, like no nobody would you would not want to consider yourself a Pharisee, right? Like nobody here say like, yeah, I'm a Pharisee, pastor, put me up on stage. I'm a Pharisee. Well, let me explain something real quick. A Pharisee in the day and age, like we know it because of how Jesus dealt with the religious leaders of the day, you know, most of them were Pharisees. But in that day and age, a Pharisee was somebody that sat at, under, at the feet of the best teachers. A Pharisee was the elite, they were considered the elite of the day, well-respected leaders. Okay, so what's my point? Get to your point, Alex. Thank you for being patient. Here's my point. Here's, here's, don't miss it, all right? If you miss this, you're going to miss the message, all right? So here it is. Paul, because of where he was from, did not need Jesus. That's why people thought, there's no way this guy is going to embrace Christ. He did not need Jesus. He had everything. He had fame. He had prestige. He had a great education, good family. He had, I mean, everything. 
didn't really need anything. And maybe today you find yourself in a place similar. It's like, I'm good. Maybe you're here because somebody invited you. They're getting baptized. I know for the last service we had people that got baptized, and there are lots of new people to church. But maybe you're here and you're like, I'm good. I don't need Jesus. And you see Jesus as a sort of a crutch. You know, oh, Jesus is for those people that need help. I don't need help. I have a good family. I have a good job. I have health. I, um, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not wealthy or anything like that, but, like, I have plenty of money. You know, I'm good. I'm good. That's how Paul felt. I don't need Jesus. I'm not, I don't need to embrace him. So number one, nobody thought he was going to embrace Jesus because of where he came from. Number two, because of how he thought. One, because of where he came from. Two, because of how he thought. Obviously, wherever you're from and whatever you go through in life shapes your way of thinking, right? So I was born in Venezuela. I was 15 when I moved to Florida. That has shaped some of the things that I do, some of the traditions that I may have with my family. So wherever you're from, whatever experiences you have, shapes your way of thinking. Paul? Paul is this guy who, because of where he was from, he was stuck in his ways. Like, he knew the Old Testament law. Like, nobody's going to change his mind. Like, he's, he's set for life. Now, if you were Paul, you had been taught from the time you were a little baby that the Messiah was going to come, and he was going to come in strength and power. If you were Paul, and you had the knowledge that the Pharisees had, they thought the Messiah was going to fix everybody's problem. It's going to come, and everybody's going to get rid of the Roman Empire. It's going to take care of business, and we're all going to be, we're going to be in great shape. Paul was not thinking that this Savior was going to come and be humble. He was, he was not thinking that this guy is going to come, and he's going to willingly give himself to a cross. And so in his mind, he's like, whoa, there's no way. I'm not changing for this. He's expecting a king, a, a warrior, a military commander. He's not expecting Jesus Christ. So that's why people thought there's no way Paul will ever change. He'll never change his mind. Kind of reminds me of a, a fun children's old fable. Uh, you probably, it's super famous. You probably heard it, but I think it's a great one. And I think it, it illustrates this, this point. There was this atheist that was in the woods. And he was just kind of going out and about, you know, he's, you know just enjoying the, the outside. And he's just looking at the trees. And there's a river next to him. And he's just saying to himself, man, what majestic trees and what beautiful, powerful river. And he's like, look at all of the animals. And he's just having a great day. And as he's, he's kind of on a, on a hike he hears behind some bushes, he hears something. And he looks behind his shoulder, and there's, there's a seven-foot grizzly, all right, that's making eye contact with the atheist. And he's like, whoa. And he just books it. And he just takes off. And he's running as fast as he can. He looks behind his shoulder, and the, the bear is coming after him, closing in, getting closer and closer. And he's going as far as he can. I mean, as fast as he can. He looks behind his shoulder one more time, trips, rolls over, and before he can get up, 
the bear is right on top of him. He's got his right paw right on, on top. Like he's going he's gonna to strike him. And in that moment, the atheist goes, oh, my God. And time stopped. And the bear froze. And the forest goes silent. And then there's this light that comes from the sky and shines on the atheist. And a voice says, oh, so you expect me after all of these years to help you out after you've been teaching people that i don't exist and you credit creation to a cosmic accident and you this and that you expect me to help you out like you expect me to think that now all of a sudden you're a believer and the atheist goes well it, it, you know it would be he looks into the light and he says it would be hypocritical of me to change and become a believer all of a sudden but would you at least would you at least make this bear uh, a Christian very well your wish is my command the voice says the light goes out the sound of the forest resumes the bear drops his right paw puts it together with the other one bows his head and says dear Lord bless this food they're about to eat <laughs> I love that story but there's a point that I want to make There are people that don't change. Don't change me. Change the bear. There are people that won't, whatever happens, won't change. Don't be one of those. So in a few minutes, we're going to have baptisms. And I'm going to challenge you to make a decision. Some of you have signed up. Some of you, you're here, and you're like, I'm not ready. But God is going to say, you need to get baptized. You need to take that step. Now, let me, let me just kind of make say something just to be clear. Baptism does not save you, okay? Baptism is just a simple step of obedience. Who saves you? Jesus saves you. When you believe in your heart that he died for your sins, and he rose from the grave, that's what saves you, okay? Baptism is saying, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm in, Baptism is telling the world, okay, like I am, I'm, I'm going to take this step in obedience. It's putting on the Jesus jersey. And I believe that there are people here today, and you're a little bit like me. I was baptized when I was a baby. I was baptized when I was 12 because my mom, I went into, our family was getting baptized, and I just wanted to help, I mean, please my mom. And then God calls me to the ministry when I'm 16, 17. I end up going to seminary, and then I get hired by a church and move, end up at the seminary in my 30s. And I'm like, how do you tell the church, hey, you're pastor? I've never really, like, this is like, it's weird, right? So listen, I understand weird. I tell my kids all the time, we embrace weird here at Life Point, okay? But I say that to say this, don't be like me, all right? If you've never gotten baptized because you, of your own will, you did it because of whatever, X, Y, Z, I'm going to challenge you. Don't be like that atheist. Be willing to flex. Now, don't let me, I don't want to play the Holy Spirit, but if God is saying to you, in fact, let me, let me, let me tell you what um, the Bible says, Psalm 94, verse 8, if today you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. If today, God says, if today you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. So that'll come here in a little bit. All right, the last reason nobody thought 
who's going to embrace Christ is because of what he did. So nobody thought that he was going to embrace Christ, number one, because of where he came from, number two, because of the way he thought, and number three, what he did, what he did. So you would think with somebody like Paul, with the training and the background and the education, the aptitude, you may think that he may pursue a great career, like positive and challenging and rewarding. But no, Paul joins this group of people called the Sanhedrin. In the Sanhedrin, their main goal, their main objective, objective was to pursue, to go after Christians. Let me show you how God describes this. Acts 8, verse 1. It says, and Saul was there. Saul, remember, we're talking about the same person. Paul, Saul, same person, okay? Saul is just before he got saved. Paul is after he got saved. And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. The, the word his, the pronoun there, is a guy named Stephen, who's a believer. And so what this is saying is, Saul, or Paul, he was there. And he's giving his, his thumbs up. Okay, this guy, Stephen, he's a, a follower of the way. That's what Christians were called, right? A follower of the way. He's saying, they're pointing to Stephen, and they're saying, this one, should we take him out as well? Do we go after him? And, and what Paul is doing is he's, he's giving a thumbs up. Yeah, get rid of him. Done. We're done. Let's move on. Let's go after him. You're, you're wasting time. You're spending too much time on him. Let's get it over with. It says verse 1 in Acts 8. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I don't know. I can't imagine what that looks like in our world. I don't, it's hard for me to, you know, our freedoms, you know. I mean, we can worship, we can serve God wherever we want to in North America and in this country. And I think we take that for granted. Godly men, verse 2 buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Look, verse 3. But Saul, watch this, watch this. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house. Can you imagine that? Somebody knocking at your door and dragging, grabbing your kids, you know, and dragging them. I cannot... I, it's, it's hard for me to, and I know we see things on TV and movies and all that, but the anxiety that it would cause in my heart to know that at any moment, anybody could knock on that door and somebody like Paul, Saul, will be there to drag my kids away. I don't know that I would let them go to school. I mean, I don't know that I could go out and eat. I mean, praying, can you imagine praying openly? Like, like man, we can't do that. So what happened to Paul? How is it that a man like that can write a book or a letter, Galatians, and this letter make it into the Holy Scriptures? How is it possible that a man with that kind of background way of thinking, where he's from and all that, how can he write a letter and that letter make it to the Holy Bible? How is that possible? i tell you how. Because there's a God who wants to use us regardless of the junk from the past. 
I've said this over and over in the, na- the last few weeks, and, and I'll say it again. I want you guys to get it. Uh, repetition is good. There's nothing we'll ever do that puts us outside the reach of God's grace. Now, I want you to get this. Because I know how the enemy works in my life, and I know how he slows me down, and I know how the negative thoughts and the, but this, you know, this is the way I live, you know, how is God going to use me? But I want you to know that there is nothing, there's nothing, look at Paul, there's nothing that will ever, that we can do that will put us outside of the reach of God's grace. Do you believe that? It's easy to believe it on other people. It's hard to believe it for yourself. It's easy to believe the gospel for them. Oh, pastor, great message. So-and-so needs to hear it. Message is for you. And I'm not pointing specifically, so I better go like this. Because then, like, oh, okay. You know? Message is for you. For you, for you, for you, and for you. God wants to use you. Not so you can feel good about yourself, but it's for His glory. So I've, that's my intent. I've given you a biblical story. Now I want to give you a real-life story of life change, okay? And so can we play Jose's story? I was born December the 16th, 1983, South Texas, in a town called Brownsville. And I remember we lived in a trailer. And I didn't know at the time, but my dad had our, the whole trailer full of marijuana. We used to sleep on top of the marijuana as we were little, me and my brother. I didn't know his lifestyle. So it, was always a mis- it was always a mystery to us. Sometimes hey, I, my mom would get home from school, my mom would be crying, like, what happened? Uh, we got raided. And uh, I remember one day, uh, my mom's like, we got to go. We got to go to the Valley, to Brownsville, because we just got to go. So we end up going down there. We go to Matamoros to my grandma's house, my mother's mom. And we're sitting in the kitchen table, and my grandma goes, somebody that you love a lot died. Well, at the time, one of my, my dad's brothers was in the Army. I thought something had happened to him. I was 11 years old at the time. And I go with my uncle, my Uncle Vivi. What happened to him? And my grandma goes, no. Was brace yourself for what I'm about to tell you. I'm like, well, tell me. He goes, they killed your father. Your father was murdered. So I tear down crying. I run to the restroom. I'm in tears. And I remember that night laying, then laying in bed with my mom. And my mom hugs me crying, and I tell her, this is your fault. It's your fault for leaving, leaving my dad and leaving him alone that's when I started experiencing drugs at the age of 13 I started smoking marijuana it started leading to more hardcore drugs cocaine everything else so I get involved in all that start using meth and that drug right there is it's the devil it's it's a different world loving it making a lot of money women cars, jewelry, everything, but I, I still, I feel alone, I was over there alone, I didn't have no family, and uh, I go back to the house I'm staying at, so I had a warrant, so they arrest me, they take me to jail, 
to give me five years. And February the 1st, I get transferred to Gurney. Gurney Marine. So I, I'm, I'm laying in my bunk and I'm remembering everything from when I was little. If I want to put my daughter through what I've been through, you know, if I want to get back out and die and my daughter be raised without a father. And I remember they came in there and they go, open call church. So I go to church that it was Friday night. And the worship, that's what got me. And they did an altar call. And I walked up. And they asked me if I wanted to receive Christ as my Savior. And I said yes. I get out August the 20th, 2020. That day, I get out. And the first thing I tell my mother when I get in the car, I need a church. I need a support team. My mom contacted Elsie and uh, Elsie Camps contacted Pastor Nicholas. That same afternoon, August the 20th, Pastor Nicholas came to the house and invited me to Life Point. God, that's when God started working in my life even more. Started showing me what his plan was for me. He was preparing me in prison, but on August the 20th is when I started knowing what he wanted for me. So I came to Life Point that weekend. It was August the 24th. And when I get here at Life Point, everybody welcomes me. You feel the love. You feel you feel the spirit. You feel you feel at home. You feel like family. I was I was baptized not too long ago. That was my real baptism. Baptized by Pastor Nicholas, and that was an honor. When I came out of that water, I felt the wings of the dove. I felt the change in my life. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's been easier. Struggles are a little harder, temptations but I'm getting through it. My life changed. And the enemy doesn't want that for us. My favorite scripture is Luke 15, uh, story of the lost son, prodigal son. I was lost, but now I'm found. And, uh, I encourage everybody that's been through what I've been through. You're not alone. There is there is a church out here don't wait for what I waited for don't wait till you hit rock bottom don't wait for that some people wait for that and it's too late they reach the bottom they reach that six foot oh I was lucky I did it I'm very grateful for life point very very grateful and uh, just want to wish everybody a blessed day
life change. You know, God wants to use you regardless of what you've been through. You know, what I love us about stories like this is it's not just something that we bought, a little video that we bought from a big church. No, no, this is, these are families here. And I don't want to embarrass them, but they're here today, right now. And um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everybody, if you just stand up, everybody help me out. Stand up, everybody. We're going to wrap things up. And um, listen carefully. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story that's going to wrap the message up, okay? And um, I'm going to pray. And when I say, in Jesus' name, amen, if you want to get baptized, whether you signed up or not, this is your chance. Uh, don't do it because I'm putting pressure on you. Don't do it. Like, again, I don't want to play the Holy Spirit. But if God is saying to you, this is it. This is your step of obedience. I want you to listen. I don't want you to be like that atheist and harden your heart. And not ever change. Okay? Let me just say it again so we're all on the same page. Baptism does not save you. Baptism is a step of obedience. What saves you is putting your faith in Christ, in Him alone. That's what saves you. If you believe that Jesus died for you and he rose from the grave the third day, your very next step, before you give your tithe to the church, before you serve, before you show up, your very next step, okay? It's not read the Bible. It's not pray. It's not this or that. Your very next step is to get baptized. It's a picture of Jesus dying and coming back. So, story, we're going to pray, and then after I've done praying, whether you signed up or not, if you want to get baptized today, you're going to come this way, and you're going to go out that door, and we have tons of volunteers that are going to help you. You're like, Pastor Alex, I'm not ready. I didn't bring any clothes. It's all good. Our volunteers are ready. We bought additional t-shirts, we have shorts that you can wear. We have towels. We are ready for you. Don't let anything slow you down if God is calling you to do it, all right? So here's the story. I don't know if you are into, like, uh, amusement park rides or not. I love them. I love them. Put me on a roller coaster. Man, I'm just like a kid. Like, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. There's this ride. I don't know if you've ever been on it. It's called the rotor, the rotor. And it looks like the inside of a, a washing machine, okay? But it's big, obviously. It looks like a big cylinder. And when you go into this ride, you basically put your back against the wall, okay? And, and you put your back and your hands, your arms against the and the ride begins to spin. And it spins so fast that before you know it, you're plastered against the wall and you're stuck. You can't move. And then the, the bottom falls out. The floor goes down. And then for a few minutes, you're right there spinning against that wall. It's one thing, if you like rides and stuff like that, to be stuck for a minute or two. 
And it's another thing to be stuck in life, for life. And if your world is spinning and you can barely hang on, and if the, 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 the bottom is falling out, what do you do? Who do you turn to? Here's my desire. If I could get on my knees and convince you, I would do it. But my... What I want to convey to you is you need a God who is for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his son for you. And so when your world is spinning out of control, when the bottom falls out, turn to him. Turn, bring your family to church. Surrender. Bible says, I love this. I love, I love, love this. It says that while Paul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple, that's when he reached out and saved him. It wasn't when he had his life all figured out. It wasn't when he stopped the addictions. It wasn't when life was looking good. No, it was when his life was a mess. That's when God rescued him because our God is enough. He's enough. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I know, I know some of you will get baptized today. I know you did not sign up. It is okay. Just obey. Just obey. Just don't harden your heart. And so I'm going to pray and then you're going to come. But let me just, just curious. I'm just curious. I wonder how many of you want to get, you have a desire to get baptized. You haven't been baptized. Would you raise your hand? Would you raise it? I see that hand. Anybody else? If you want to get baptized, would you raise your hand? I see that hand. I see your hand. God sees your hand. Anyone else? It's not me pressuring you. It's not me trying to. Anyone else? If you want to get baptized, we'll take care of you. We have t-shirts. We have shorts. We're ready. Don't do it because your pastor is saying. Don't do it because your family is pressuring you. Do it because you. it's a step of obedience. One last time. If you want to get baptized today, would you raise I see your hand, ma'am. Anyone else? God, you've seen our hands. You've seen our hearts. You know where we are. God, we love you. We obey you. Thank you that you're willing to use people like Paul. Thank you that you can use people like Jose. Thank you that you can use people like me, all screwed up and with life a mess. God, you don't care about that. You come in, you reach out, and we're never outside of the reach of your grace because that's who you are. Not for our sakes, not so that we feel good, but that for your name and your renown, for your glory, God. And that's the desire of our hearts. And so we celebrate today. We know that heaven is celebrating on behalf of the people getting baptized in a moment. And we celebrate as a church. Nothing is more exciting than this. And so we give you all the glory and all the praise. And God's people say, amen. You guys, come. You want to get baptized? Come this way. Walk out. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together for those people. You come. Walk out. And then we'll, we'll help you out.